New York Yankees hit Cleveland Indians game five, Thursday night, August 4th, Jacobs Field, Cleveland, Ohio. Everywhere one goes in baseballdom, teams dream of vanquishing the perennial evil leaders of all time. Their lineup introductions were accompanied by Darth Vader's theme music, the New York Yankees. The young Cleveland Indians, with their leadoff man, Bar Mitzvah Boy, and Cub Scout, Weeblos badge earner, that's what his scoreboard photos look like anyway, Grady Sizemore had somehow won the first two games of a three-game series at home, and the fans were hungry for a sweep of the series. One could sense that the highly professional and accomplished Yanks were not going to go down easily. The night settled into a tense, old-fashioned pitcher's duel between the tribe's Kevin Millwood, a veteran with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball and a hard slider, who had pitched with virtually no run support all year, and the Yankees' newly acquired Sean Chacon, a Colorado farm kid from Greeley, who had failed in a Rockies experiment to be a closer last year and had been 1-7 this season. Chacon seemed to kick his game up a notch to honor his trade from the worst to the best team, and he was throwing his slow curve and changeup a lot this night and spotting his fastball on occasion. Both pitchers were on their game with excellent control and a very generous home plate umpire who had both clubs muttering about suspicious ball and strike calls all evening. The first two innings were very quiet. Only Cleveland star first baseman Travis Hafner, just back from the disabled list, standing out with an off-field leadoff double in the second, but left stranded as were many teammates throughout the game. In the third, Bernie Williams, nearing the end of a great New York career, singled to left and then was out by a mile trying to steal second, Father Time working tragic arthritis into his barely moving legs. Then the 150 hitting backup catcher Flaherty found a moment where Millwood took him for granted and powered a perfunctory fastball for a rare home run into the left field seats. Jeter's second off-field hit, a double this time, followed, but Millwood got Cano to end the inning. Chacon left two on in both the third and fourth and even survived Cano's botching of a tailor-made double play. As long as no one got to him, Chacon was fine, but he tended to get flustered when he gave up runs. Millwood was magnificent, striking out the heart of the Yankees' order in the fourth, A-Rod discussing his second strikeout at length with Mr. Blue. But in the fifth, Giambi, a survivor of the steroid controversy, stirred up again by problems of Mr. Palmero, answered the juice jibes of the fans with a smack deep into the Yankees' bullpen in right field to make it two to nothing. In the bottom of the fifth, the spirited, also some mean-spirited Yankees-sock types, Indian faithful, got something to cheer about when with two out, Crisp's single, matadored by Giambi, and Peralta's double off the left field wall produced the tribe's first run. Chacon, typically for him, lost it momentarily and balked Jay Hani to third, but got the dangerous Hafner to bounce out. Johnny Peralta's dad didn't know how to spell Johnny correctly and spelled it J-H-O-N-N-Y. 
he's had that name his whole life. Singles dotted the next two innings, but both pitchers were keeping the ball down and induced double plays and forced play grounders, escaping more scoring until the Indian seventh, when Chacon walked leadoff batter Blake on four straight pitches, bringing Embry in to face the childlike Sizemore, who also walked. Crisp sacrificed per- perfectly, and Peralta played small ball, bouncing out slowly to Jeter to bring up in the tying run. With the tension mounting, Tom Gordon, veteran Yankee setup man, faced the Indians' cleanup man, Hafner, with the lead run on second. Hafner had recently had a run of big home runs, but then had been injured by getting hit by a pitch by a hurler who had had enough. He was like a returned war hero now, and the fans were in a tizzy. Hafner answered the call, not going for the bomb, but being patient and under control, lined a single sharply between Giambi and Cano into right to give the tribe a 3-2 lead. Instead of just celebrating with justified joy, the crowd chided the Yankees, gloated, teased, and celebrated a little too much and too soon. One does not treat the majestic Bronx Bombers in this fashion. After a very quiet eighth, Millwood was still masterful and even threw one fastball 96 miles an hour. The Yankees were sending up number three, four, and five in the order into the ni- in the ninth. Out trooped Cleveland closer Bob Wickman, a portly veteran who usually got the job done even though he often staggered and occasionally got lit up, his wick lit up over the years. But Wickman had been through these situations hundreds of times, had saved 29 games already this season, and the thought of letting Millwood finish his own game was not even considered for a moment. This was Wick's job. After Sheffield sent one screaming foul over the left field roof, swinging savagely as he always does, Gary Skide won too high to center field to Baby Grady for the first out. The battle with A-Rod was epic. After barely fouling off five pitches, Rodriguez finally found a Wickman serve to his liking and deposited a no-doubt home run shot deep into the left field seats to tie it. This got all the Yankee fans in attendance to start Let's go Yankees chants and revealed a slew of New York faithful at the game. The Cleveland Worms had been evicted from the New York Apple and they were beginning to bake a victory pie. With two out, Giambi, hot as a pistol of late, came up. Wickman fell behind, and then, instead of walking him and facing the aging Williams, Wickman was true to his nature and challenged Giambi to a duel and lost, as the first baseman hit his second home run to right field, barely eluding the futile leap and extension of the right fielder's glove. With the mummy assassin Rivera coming in, one felt Darth Vader doom around the Indians' throats, The best finisher in the history of the game needed only six pitches, ending with the eating up of Mr. Breakfast Cereal, Mr. Coco Crisp, striking him out with high heat to end the game. The proud Yankees had prevailed once again, and no one seemed too surprised, but it was a spectacle to behold, baseball at its dramatic best, and the Cleveland wannabes remained wannabes looking up at the majestic Yankees, as had most everyone for the last 80 years. Postscript. The Yankees were a little too old to keep it together and lost in the playoffs. The Indians made a valiant try to get into the playoffs, but were too far behind. But they'll be a team to be reckoned with next season.
Next week in game six of the baseball trip, Art and gang travel north to Toronto for baseball Canadian style at the Sky Dome. The Toronto Blue Jays hosting the New York Yankees with a classic Jeter response to the opening pitch. Subscribe to the baseball trip at the iTunes Music Store or artlandy.com. Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends and fellow fans about the baseball trip at artlandy.com where they can subscribe to Where's Art, his weekly calendar of musical performances 